All right. With a few minutes, I want to preach at you. Can we do that? Okay, four of you. That's great. Four. Yay. Leviticus chapter 6, please. Leviticus chapter 6. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be left on the top of the altar until the next morning, and the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. In the morning, after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes, carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember... The fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. This is the word of the Lord. In the Old Testament, we see that God is a consuming fire. He meets Moses in a burning bush. He meets Moses at the top of a mountain and descends upon the mountain in flames of fire. He walks with the Israelites in the day as a a pillar of cloud, but at night, it's a pillar of fire. We see Jesus in the New Testament. The Apostle John sees him and his eyes are burning with fire. We see that love in the Old Testament burns like a fire in Song of Songs chapter 8. And many waters can't possibly put it out. And if you offered everything that you have and all the treasures of the world to replace love, it would be utterly scorned. Love is stronger than death. We see in... (laughs) We see that in the, in the Gospels, John the Baptist comes to baptize with water, but he reminds the people that the one is coming after him who's so much greater than him, he's not worthy to like stoop and tie his shoes. And the difference is, John will baptize with water for repentance, which is a, which is a turning away, which is a self-emptying, which is a self-humbling, it's a preparation movement. But Jesus will come and baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire which is a filling, which is an exaltation. The baptism with water is us going low. It's us emptying ourselves out. The baptism of the Spirit is a filling up. It's a lifting up. This is preparatory, and it's our part. This is fulfillment, and it's God's part. These passages about about the Old Testament sacrificial system and the temples and and all these beautiful symbols, they, they don't go away now that Jesus has come. They find their fulfillment in him. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why? Why three times does God emphasize to Moses that the priests must keep the fires burning? That God might light the fire, but it's the priest's job to keep it burning. Why emphasize that? Because it's a sign pointing to something that in Christ has fulfillment. You are the priests. Your body is is the temple. Your heart is the altar. Your prayers are the wood. Your yeses are the offering. And the Holy Spirit is the fire. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, Fan into flames the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit puts the Spirit of God in you. And Paul says to Timothy, he has a part in stewarding that fire. The word for fan into flames is the word that would be used to talk about a blacksmith taking care of his fire, of his coals. And every blacksmith who ever worked with fire knows that is a vigil. That is, that, that is not, you can't just expect the fire to work a certain way. The coals have to be stirred. They have to be fed the oxygen. You have to stir them. You have to feed them fresh fuel, wood or coals or whatever it is that you're using. When I, when I saw this Secrets of the Samurai Sword documentary on PBS a few years ago, I noticed that one of the main jobs, there's a dude whose only job is to tend the fire. Because the fire has to be kept at like a specific temperature, like 1,400, I don't know the degrees, I can't remember details. I just remember the big picture. The dude has to keep the fire at an exact temperature, which he can judge by eye. And if he, if he messes up, he ruins the tomahogany iron ore and it can't be made into a proper sword. And it says that for three days he doesn't sleep as he is keeping vigil to make sure that the fire is kept at the optimum temperature. Feeding it air and feeding it fuel and keeping it right. And he doesn't trust anybody else to do, do that job correctly. And he's developed that skill. And while I was watching that, the Lord was talking to me and saying, pay attention, I'm speaking to you. Pay attention, I'm speaking to you. There's... There's something to be said about this passage where every morning the priests arrange fresh wood on the altar. Every morning the priests arrange fresh wood on the altar. And it says they're preparing it for the daily peace offerings. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but peace offerings have nothing to do with sin. Peace offerings have nothing to do with sin. I don't know if you're aware of this. Not all the offerings in the Old Testament, not all the sacrifices and offerings in the Old Testament have to do with sin. Fellowship offerings don't and peace offerings don't. Peace offerings are just offerings you bring because you're so grateful that you have covenant with God. Peace offerings are what you bring out of the overflow of the fact that you have covenant with God, right relationship with God. And peace offerings, you don't offer it to the Lord. You offer a part of it to the Lord, and then you eat it. This is likely the only time an Israelite family would get to eat meat. Are you with me? Maybe that's not deep to you like it was to me. That blew my mind. God intends. He is a flaming fire. And in the Psalms it says, he may, you make your enemies Enemies. You make your servants winds, your ministers flames of fire. We are made to burn. We are made to burn. We are made to be like burning bushes that are, that are burned but not consumed. We are made, the, in the Old Testament, when God had his people go in and rout the other peoples who were worshiping pagan gods, he says to them, he doesn't say, take all their idols and put them in a stack and put all their holy books in a stack so that you can teach your kids who they are and, and their differences between me, the real God, and these false gods. He doesn't say that. You know what he says to do with the false gods? Burn them in the fire. And when Jesus comes and he says, I baptize with the Holy Spirit in fire, John the Baptist declares that Jesus will come and the flames will burn up all the stubble. There's a purifying effect. And here's what I'm taking from that right now. 
The love poured out into our hearts. The flames kept burning on the altars of our hearts. The capacity, the capacity to fresh every day, freshly enter in and stir up these flames. Come into this place where my, the wood is on the altar, my yes is the offering, and the Holy Spirit brings the fire. That fire will burn the idols out of my life. The greater, you don't, you don't will sin out of your life. Love pushes it out. When you fall in more in love with something, it pushes out all lesser loves. That's just how it works. So when Jesus says you can't serve God in money, he's not saying you shouldn't. He's saying you can't. Whichever one you love the most will win. And if you cultivate the flames of your closeness with the Father, if you come and you say, I love because you first loved me, if you come in response and you soak in this intimacy, you bask in this covenant, you look into the Father's face and you relate to him as Abba, you will find that the flames rise because the Holy Spirit always comes on sacrifice. And your yes is your offering, your sacrifice. He always comes on sacrifice. He will burn everything you put on the altar. And what you find is that the blaze, the blaze of the Holy Spirit in your life will burn every lesser love out of your life. Strategies to kill sin that are done by the arm of flesh might be able to outwardly modify some of your behavior, but they will not purify the roots of your motivations. Are you with me? Bless you, buddy. I heard that. That sounded violent. Is anybody hearing what I'm shouting out today? I I don't want you to hear me saying, oh, I feel guilty. I should be reading my Bible more. Yes, you should. But I'm not saying this so you feel guilty. You want to get in this book so that you have food that feeds your soul. You're either... No. You got a word? No. Oh, thank you. Look, I got one life. I got one life. God's real. I got one life. I was made to burn. You were made to burn. Stop holding back your affection from the Lord. Stop holding back your worship from the Lord. You've been redeemed. Do you have something to praise him for? Do you have a reason to bring a daily peace offering? Do you know where you were when he found you? If you were, what are you holding back for? Why would you do less than burn when all he's done for you is burn? It it breaks my heart when I come into this place and I feel the guilt in the room and I feel the fear of hypocrisy. I'm not going to get all emotional. Why not? He's all emotional. There is nothing in this planet or this universe as glorious as him. Why would you hold back? Fear of man. Fear of losing respect. Fear of what other people think. Fear of pushing in again and then having, getting into sin and then feeling like I failed him again. But you've got to push through those things. Those are just the devil and your flesh holding you back. There's a war, and you're in the middle of it. And these flames kept up around you are a wall of fire around you to protect you. 
the, the flames build up your faith. Faith is not something you try. Faith rises out of intimacy with the Lord, which you cultivated. Your secret prayer is the key to everything. The secret to a relationship with God is to have a relationship with God in, in secret. The secret of prayer is to pray in secret. All you do is burn. When no one's watching and no prayer meeting's called, you burn. It's all a response. You're not conjuring. You're not making something happen. You're not pressing and you're not striving out of flesh. You're striving to respond to the cross, the resurrection, and the pursuit of you. Jesus is still this moment in pursuit of you as a perfect reflection of Abba. When you find your heart no longer having God at distance prayers, but Abba prayers, intimate prayers, when the secret place of your heart that you cultivate is is flaming up around you, you will find yourself living in the shadow of the Almighty. We're mobile homes for the presence, but we turn it into a trailer park. Are you feeling me? All right, let's pray. Go ahead and stand. God, I know that sometimes when I yell like this, people get a little freaked out and they just feel like I'm spanking them. I don't... I know that's not the truth. It's you. It's you and your passion for them touching me. It's you and your hunger and your craving for their friendship and fellowship. It's you and your affection for your children. You so delight in us that every obstacle that stands in between you and us, you as a jealous fire will burn everything that gets in between us. And God, everything about fire in the Bible has to do with purification. And if there's nothing left in us that's real, it's a destruction. You could put a saint in hell and they would feel in heaven. Because Jesus in them is revealed in that, fl- in that fire. You could put an unsaved person in heaven, and they would be destroyed by the brightness of your glory, because all there is is dross, all there is is straw. And so God, we are looking forward and living in light of this day, this, this great and glorious judgment day, when everything will be revealed by fire and the motives of our hearts will be made clear. And we're not looking to it afraid, we're looking to it with confidence if we know you well. We're looking to it going, I believe And every trial, God, we believe that in every trial, it's proving what's real in us. It's testing whether this thing is on or not. You'll either rise and shine or you'll rise and whine. So God, we bless your work in us. We invite your fire. We invite your correction. We invite your word. We invite your Holy Spirit. We say yes. We bow low. We say yes, God. 
And God, I know that you're also increasing our joy. I know this doesn't sound like a joyful message. That's how it is. You're increasing our joy as you're increasing our closeness to you. As we do hard things and take risks, we're finding our capacity to know you increases and our hope along with it and our joy along with it. I invite you guys just take a moment and slow down. I, I, know, I know it's easy to rush through the schedule of the day, but I want you to take a moment. When God moves, we linger. Sometimes we don't linger, and so we miss God. So take a moment and do a heart check. He doesn't look at what people see. He doesn't look at the outward. He looks at the inward, which means if your mouth is moving but your heart's not in it, he can't hear you. Take a moment and make sure he hears you. God, we love because you love first. We're not in this book because we ought to be. We're in this book because we're in pursuit of a love relationship with you. We're not in prayer because you commanded it. We're in prayer because we want relationship with you. We're responding to your affection. All right. I'm going to go ahead and... um, put a little period on that and say, the service has ended right now. And if anyone wants prayer, please come to the front. There is a fellowship meal. Boom. Lord, bless the meal. Amen. So there you go. If you want to pray a little bit longer, go ahead and stay. If you want to go ahead and transition to going over there and eating, that's awesome too.